Hello, welcome to the podcast today. We're here to talk a little bit more about technology to drive on-shelf availability. Uh, joining me today is Bill Tony, Vice President for Avery Dennison. Avery Dennison is involved with all aspects of labeling, but including the RFID technology and future technologies to drive on-shelf availability. Please welcome my guest and good friend, Bill Tony. Welcome to the podcast, my good friend, Bill Tony. Bill, how are you, my friend? Good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, I'm excited to spend some time with uh, with you personally, just based on your expertise in the retail supply chain area, as well as obviously being an important contributor when it comes to um, Avery, Avery Dennison and the role that it plays with RFID. So a couple things just to just to start out before before we start talking about you as a help being the solution provider, we are asking some of our participants because we're also customers. We all go into stores. We all look for things. We all thought they were going to have something available. They found out they didn't have it available. So take off your Avery Dennison hat for a second and put on your personal hat. Do you have a personal example where you ordered something online and either the order wasn't fulfilled? What was your experience as the customer of this? Boy, a great question, Mike. And uh, so I'll give you a, a very uh, interesting story. So last holiday, uh, I was looking for a gift for my wife and uh, she really wanted a, a certain type of watch. And uh, I actually went online to find the watch and I couldn't find the watch anywhere. I actually found a watch about two hours away outside of Dallas. I bought the watch uh, online. I drove two hours to go pick up the watch. And when I got there, found out the watch was not available. So I actually made a concession to get a different watch um, to make sure I, I didn't uh, spend more time looking for what I was looking for. And so that was one experience that I had uh, that unfortunately uh, ended up uh, buying a watch that really wasn't what she wanted. But I made the concession just because it was really hard to find at the time. Um, and ironically, I got the email from the retailer uh, right when I got there uh, about two hours after I started driving that it was not available. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We've heard a lot of stories, but never I drove two hours for a gift for my spouse and I didn't, wasn't able to get what I wanted. I think that just takes that one takes the cake. That's for, that's for sure. So you did end up fulfilling it and getting a watch, but that's a that 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 is a very frustrating feeling. I'm I'm sure that you were pretty frustrated for the whole thing driving back kind of grumble grumble. I wish I wouldn't have driven two hours for a watch that I really wanted I didn't get right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was definitely frustrating. I mean, the good news is I I, uh, I did have something for my wife, which, you know, I, I, uh, I've i made that mistake once in my life where I didn't have something ready in time. And so I figured uh, something's better than nothing. But uh, yeah, very, <laughs> very frustrating. <laughs> oh, goodness. So do, do you, you think in that example, it was just a on-hand accuracy issue by that particular retailer? You don't have to say who the retailer was, or did they just think they had it and didn't have it? Or do, what was the, what was the context of the email that you got? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, it was essentially a buy online, pick up in store order. And uh, because I couldn't get the product available in time for a holiday, again, I was searching everywhere to find, to find exactly what I was looking for. So it had to be a skew and accuracy issue just because they said they had it and it took a few hours to respond. And then they said they didn't have it. Uh, and they actually didn't give me any options to find something else. Uh, but luckily I was there in the store and we actually found something else that was close enough. Uh, that, that allowed me to get the, the watch. But it was definitely had to be a skew accuracy problem because it was a buy online pickup and store order. 
Fascinating. Uh, I know you know Dr. Bill Hargrave, um, and he yes. and I spent some time talking about the whole BOPUS opportunity with retailers, et cetera. And he said, there's ditches on both sides, right? One ditch says, I have some. You set expectations with your supplier, and then they end up not having it, so you disappointed. That was kind of your scenario. He said the other one is he's went into, and he wouldn't tell me which big box uh, DIY uh, or DIY retailer was, but he went and called them and said, do you have this specific ladder? And they said, no, we do not, while he was actually sitting and standing right in front of uh, the ladders at that store and saw four of them sitting there. So well, you're either – you don't have what you think you have, which is the ditch you were on. The other one is you got situations where people are literally hiding inventory because they just want to make sure they got it. They don't want to disappoint customers, but they end up hiding inventory, which obviously yep. is going to impact their sales, right? So yeah. I tell you what, this retail industry is as about as crazy as I've seen in a long time with COVID. Uh, with product on the water trying to be unloaded. Uh, we, we've just seen examples where major retailers are taking, uh, having to adjust their profit forecast because of inflation and general merchandise and apparel isn't selling as much as they should be. So they're having to do big markdown work. Just, you know, you've been in this industry for retail industry for a long time. Tell me exactly what your perspective on is where the industry is going and has it changed since this whole COVID pandemic? Yeah, Mike, again, really good question. I think it's a really interesting question. And I'll reflect back a little bit longer than COVID. I'll go back to 2007. And I think the invention of the smartphone via the iPhone really started a revolution, a transformation in retail, where the consumers started to get more visibility and information around uh, what re retailers have and where they have it. And so I think as the power started to shift a little bit more to the consumer, retailers did a really nice job of trying to formulate systems and solutions to try to understand um, how they better service that customer now that they have a power of a mobile device. And then you fast forward into COVID, uh, the big transformation was we went on average globally from about 23% of retail sales being online to about 31% of retail sales being online, just literally overnight. And that shift created a complexity in demand channel uh, forecast. So is a retailer going to order online? Are they going to come in the store? If they order online, where is the inventory? How do we service it? Do we service it through a store? Do we service it through a DC? So I think it just really amplified the complexity of, I might have the inventory, but do I have it in the right place in the right time? And to your point earlier, am I hiding some of that inventory because I'm nervous uh, to disappoint a customer? Because at the end of the day, retailers um, are really focused on customer experience, customer service, and really servicing the customer. So I, I think we're in this really unique time where uh, demand planning is getting more complicated um, and inventory and, and, and supply chain visibility is becoming a bigger and bigger topic uh, because of that complexity. Oh, well said, well said. And, and I think this kind of leads into the segue, which is uh, Avery Dennison, which you're obviously a part of. So Avery Dennison is a solution provider that basically helps retailers and suppliers uh, navigate through these very difficult waters. Tell us a little about uh, Avery Dennison. And most people probably think of you as a label company, but I know you right. guys do a lot more than that. Tell us a little bit about how you guys are, are trying to play a role in this uh, ever-changing retail environment. Yeah, it's interesting, Mike. So, I mean, essentially we're a Fortune 500 company um, at the heart specializing in material science. 
in the design and manufacturing of a, of a wide variety of labeling and, and functional materials. Um, and then we have several different divisions, right? We have a tape division, we have a retail printing information systems division and a, a, a healthcare division. But the division that we work in, essentially under the retail branding and information systems division, is what we call Avery Dennison Smart Track. And we're very focused on bringing what we call digital ID or sensor technology to the market, whether that's UHF RFID, which is what we're talking about here, whether it's uh, NFC RFID, or whether it's digital ID via QR, um, you know, intelligent QR uh, codes. Essentially, we're trying to uh, ensure that sensor technology is unlocking item and inventory visibility for retailers to be able to make better decisions to enable better customer experience and customer solutions. So uh, at the end of the day, that, that's what we do. And then in the RFID UHF space, which is what we're talking about, um, we're the world's largest UHF RFID tag developer, manufacturer, and provider. Again, that supplies uh, this material all throughout the world. Wow. But that's that's a big responsibility for sure. So, so, so you talk about UFH uh, RFID and and the importance of that. Uh, just to link this with the the discussion that we've had with our audience before, RFID is one of the technologies. There are others, but there's one of the technologies that really allow a retailer to understand what they have and where it's located. So, when you say you're the biggest one out there, what what exactly does that mean? Do you guys provide? Hardware, software solutions, are you primarily in the tag area? How, when people think about Avery Dennison, how should they think about the, how to leverage you guys? Yeah, great question. I mean, we're primarily a sensor tag provider is what our, our core business is. Um, now, we, we did um, bring to market back in March of 2021 a uh, what we're calling a digital ID platform called Atma.io uh, that allows retailers to take advantage of a platform as you start to then uh, unlock sensor data. It allows a platform where retailers can pull different metadata from that platform uh, to drive other uh, applications and solutions throughout the supply chain. But the core part of our business is definitely uh, sensor and tag, uh, uh, from a sensor and tag perspective. And, and I think one one really important clarification, Mike, that we like to kind of um, position is when you look at RFID or sensor technology. You've got one-to-many technology, which is UHF RFID. So you want to capture a lot of information, uh, like inventory information, very quickly. And then you've got your one-to-one -one sensor or technology portfolio, which is NFC or QR codes. Mm -hmm. And so we like to really separate. The use cases are quite different. And I think sometimes people um, kind of confuse RFID between UHF and NFC, but they're very, very different technologies when it comes to, to the sensor portfolio. Great, great point. Great perspective. Yeah. And I think about, again, for the audience, I think about more NFC is almost like I've got a badge around my neck and to get in, access into this building, I touch that badge to that. That would be more of the NFC type of technology versus UHF RFID where you're wanting thousands of tags a second. Is that, what, that kind of the big difference between the two of them? It, exactly. One-to-one -one with NFC and then one-to-many with UHF. You want to collect a lot of data very quickly. Uh, UHF is definitely the right technology. Yep. Well, well, for years, um, people were thinking about RFID as a specific kind of niche technology for apparel. You know, big retailers right. like Walmart and Macy's and Target all getting involved with RFID. Yet you see challenges beyond apparel. You see things in electronics, general merchandise, 
Uh, obviously, things like food waste is a big, huge issue for the industry right now where you're not throw, you know, not rotating properly your packaged meat and, and or your bread, et cetera, and we end up throwing stuff away. So, so you mentioned RFID outside of just apparel, uh, potentially. Is, it, is there, a, is there a, a glide path you see that we eventually do other categories other than apparel? And if so, what does that look like? Yeah, again, really good question, Mike. The way we kind of look at it is retail and operating retail. Uh, yeah, there are some nuances to operating retail um, between different product categories, right? Apparel is a little bit more complex from a ski perspective than other categories, but there's some very there, there's some synergies and, and some similarities between retail operations across all product categories. And I think RFID now, um, looking at the tech inventory availability is critical no matter what category you're looking at. So I think there's a lot of work being done to say uh, when you look at inventory availability. How does this really play into other segments and other categories and, and look broader? So I, I think that work is being done right now. And I think um, we'll see some really interesting results coming out of that. I also think that as you look deeper into the use cases, uh, there's other use cases that I think are getting traction in the market that are not just apparel uh, specific. It might be point of sale transformation. It might be loss prevention, asset protection. Um, data that gives you better data visibility to run the operation that, again, is not very specific to apparel. It's, it's um, more of a retail operations lens around all the categories. So I think you've got these two different things that are occurring. You've got inventory availability is becoming more important across all categories, and you've got other use cases that uh, are also important across all other categories that are kind of converging to uh, start to investigate these other segments. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so what is the future of the retail supply chain? Obviously your, your analogy, and, and I think a good perspective, which is, uh, the advent of the cell phone created a step change in terms of connectivity to data that you didn't otherwise know in a mobile platform. Obviously COVID put a dramatic increase in the whole buy online pickup and store. You know, what's your, what's your crystal ball say in terms of the retail supply chain and what do retailers and suppliers have to do to get ready for those changes? Boy, great question. I, you know, I wish I had a, a really good crystal ball, but um, I, I'll give you a high level perspective and opinion. I, I think at the end of the day, retailers are hyper-focused on like, consumer experience and driving a really good uh, consumer satisfaction, NPS perspective. And so I, I think everyone's trying to understand um, how do I get demand and, and supply chain availability uh, more connected? And because uh, I think one of the things that, that we don't think about a lot of times, we, we think of consumer experiences, you walk in a store and there's uh, a digital display or there's uh, something on the shelf edge, right? Or there's something to kind of make the, the walk pattern easier, easier. There's better signage. But the, the entire experience starts when you find what you're looking for. And I think the more that we can focus on having that experience start uh, 100% of the time with the right product in the right place at the right time, you're going to get an overall better consumer experience. And so I think that's going to be a big focus um, on part of that consumer experience journey is making sure that more often than not, you've got the right product in the right place at the right time. And as a result of that, how do we simplify supply chain and how do we get better at uh, demand forecasting? Hmm. Great point. And I'm assuming that all kind of starts with the accuracy of data, because as we've talked on this podcast multiple times, and it's an oversimplification, but 
there's really three pieces of information that a store needs in terms of should I reorder this or not. One is how many do I have, which is my on hand. One is how many do I think I'll sell, which is my sales forecast. And one is what's the lead time? If I order it now, how long before I get it? And what's interesting out of the three of those, and I think you would agree with this, in traditional retail systems, two out of three of them, they're really inaccurate. Both how many do I have with a high degree of accuracy and how many do I think I'll sell a forecast, you know, maybe 75%, maybe 50 or 60% on hand accuracy. So I've got two really bad pieces of information delivering information that says what I need to order. And it's no wonder we, we have sort of a mess in the retail platform for sure. If we knew where everything was all the time and what's in route and what am I going to get to get it, et cetera, uh, it changes the paradigm. And I think the, the first retailer to figure that out, that magic sauce out and be able to deliver product to a customer in a seamless way quickly at an effective cost is going to win. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting perspective. I mean, as you know well, the, the, a lot of the work that Armand did around uh, on-chef availability and inventory accuracy has really been a step change. I mean, moving moving from acknowledging 65% accuracy to 95% accuracy is a, is a really big step change. And uh, obviously that work continues today to, uh, to broaden that scope to uh, how fast you can order, how fast you can reorder, how fast you can get product in. I mean, you know something's not available, but then how do you become more flexible and agile and getting that product in, I think is a, a really good perspective, Mike. Great point. Great point. Well, I think one follow-up question, the last question, which is an easy one for me, which is what question should I have asked you, but I didn't? What's kind of burning on your mind that, boy, I wish you would ask something about this because I really have a strong point of view. What's what's going on in that brain of yours that you could share with people that I should have asked you? <laughs> but you always ask such good questions, Mike. I, I don't know. That's uh, That's a really... <laughs> That's a really hard one. Um, no, look, I mean, you know, I, I think uh, the the, uh, the exciting thing I think, Mike, about the future of retail is that um, we're we're moving into a world where there's a lot more options and uh, consumers uh, have uh, obviously a lot more uh, visibility and, and uh, opportunity and power in what they're actually buying. And, and I think it, it's a really exciting time, Mike. And so if I if I take a step back, I, I really think. There's a lot of uh, future in the store. A lot of people will say, what's the future of the store? I think that the store has tremendous future in retail um, from an experience and from an availability uh, perspective. And um, But yeah, I just think that the, the future is really bright for retail. There's a lot of exciting things happening. And um, as uh, retailers are planning for a holiday this year, I'm excited to see uh, you know a lot of happy customers. But hmm. I think it's really, Mike, maybe just around uh, where we see the future going in retail. And I think, I know you asked the question, but I think it's, it's a, it's a really exciting time with all the change going on around availability and more options and, and convenience. I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, retail seems to be more convenient than what it used to be. Um, and, uh, to me, that's a, that's a really exciting step change. Yeah. That's true. Everything always goes back to me. Maybe I'm a little jaded because I've worked with Walmart for literally over 40 years now, but everything goes back to a Sam Walton quote. And I love this quote, and I've said it before on this podcast. The customer has the ultimate authority to hire us or fire us every day by spending their money somewhere else. If we don't, if we don't have what they're looking for, they'll go somewhere else and spend it. And 
And I just am amazed when I go into retail outlets and I see customers shopping and I see them go to a shelf and I see them head to the printer cartridge aisle and they're looking for that one printer cartridge for their particular printer. All the other SKUs are there, but the one the black cartridge they need for their HP, you know, office jet is gone. What's the first thing that you think they do? Yeah, they they're looking out, for the yeah. They pull out their right. phone and they order it from somebody else using that retailer's Wi-Fi. <laughs> right, right. They're going to find it. That 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 customer has the obvious choice with that mobile device. To your first comment, they're going to find the printer cartridge. It may not be bringing it home with them like they thought they were going to, but I'll bet I'll bet you they just ordered it online from somebody, and it's going to show up two days later at their house. So. Yeah, ultimately, they have the power to hire you or fire you every single day. And if you don't have what they're looking for on the shelf, there's not a lot of loyalty to a retailer. They'll go somewhere else to find out what they need. So that, that to me, begs the importance of getting knowing what you have and where it's located and making sure your product's always on the shelf for the customer. Bill, Tony, as usual, thank you so much for your friendship. Thank you for all the hard work that you're doing with Avery Dennison. Uh, you're an incredibly important business partner and business uh, associate for this industry. And we got lots more work to do, my friend. So uh, we're looking forward to doing that. So take care and thank you very much for your time. Amen, Mike. Thank you for your time as well. I hope you enjoyed that podcast from Bill Tony. Lots of very interesting things that are available today, as well as coming in the future to help on shelf availability. Next time we get together, we're going to talk a little bit about shelf scanning robots again. We did have a podcast a few episodes ago with the major four uh, shelf scanning robots companies, the Brain Corporation, Zippity, Badger Robotics, and Simbi. Got a lot of questions from audience members about exactly how this particular technology works. So joining me on the next episode will be BJ Santiago from the Badger Corporation. Look forward to seeing you then. Take care.